<laughs> Can I get an amen? So you, you came to listen to the origin of evil, right? And little did you know that you'd run into evil in the church parking lot. You know, it seems like evil crops up all around us. And uh, I was thinking about that when we used to bring our kids to uh, church on a Sunday morning, that, uh, you know, everything would be good until they got in the car, right? Now, you, those of you with children, right? What happens when they get in the car and in close proximity with one another? You know, the fighting starts, right? Less a single child, but then even then it starts, right, Chaz? But, uh, you know, evil crops up everywhere, and, uh, um, you know, we even see it on the, way to, on the way to church this morning. I was coming in early this morning, and I come around, and a guy was behind me coming off Baxter onto, onto uh, Jackrabbit. And, you know, I pull in, and, you know, I, I had a CDL, so, you know, it's very important if you have a CDL, you maintain lane integrity when you make a turn. And this guy behind me goes ripping around me. There's nobody on the road, right? Where's he going at that time of the morning, you know? And, and then gets right in front of me, right? He didn't brake check me. But it seems like evil shows up in the crazy places. And, you know, when, even when you get to the church here, uh, we've got this great parking team out there, you know, that direct you in. I mean, I love them, right? They're great. The only, I mean, mega churches have that, but, you know, we have our own church parking team. But they bring you in, they wave, they're friendly. You walk in the front door, you've got the greeting team there, right? They're friendly. They're shaking your hand. You're walking down toward hospitality, and you hear, first you smell something. And then you hear something calling your name. Evil donuts. Any of you guys have challenges with the evil donuts like I do? I love them. I think it's a good thing, but man, it's not, a, it's not good on me. But you know, in all seriousness, we're going to look at the origin of evil, and evil is real, isn't it? All you've got to do is turn on your television set. If you're a boomer like me, or if you're younger yet, you, you log online, and it doesn't take you very long to see that evil is truly real in this world. And you know, the question that a lot of people ask is, you know, where did evil come from? Where did evil come from? And then the next question is, so God, in the beginning, God, right? God was in the beginning. He's outside of time. He's outside of space. He's outside of material. If God was there in the beginning, did he create evil? Anybody ask you, ever ask you that? Why did God create evil? And I want to share with you right off the start here, that James 1.13, and that's going to come up here, says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So the e- easy answer to the question is that no, God didn't create evil, and he didn't. But if God didn't create evil, it, it kind of brings another question into your mind. Because God was there in the beginning, Right? And he was there in creation. So what part did God play in the origin of evil? Because God did play a role in that, right? And here's what I want you guys to, to hear today. And it's, in your, it's on the very top of your notes. And if you're going to write anything down today, right, I want you to write these five words down and remember them. God gives everyone a choice. Say that with me. God gives everyone a choice. God gives everyone a choice. Today we're going to see four things. One, that 
evil, the origin of evil began in the choice that an angel made. A choice that an angel made. It continued in the choice that our first parents made, that Adam and Eve made. It was resolved with the choice that God made. And finally, every one of us that are born on this earth are called to the same choice. We're called to make a choice here on this earth. We're going to break that down. God gives everyone a choice. So if you have your notes, your first, we're going to land on number one here. The first one we talked about was an angel, okay? And fill in the blank line one is Lucifer had a choice. Lucifer. And it, it may surprise you to know that the devil or Satan or the enemy or whatever we call that, that guy uh, began as the most beautiful angel in heaven. He, he was called Lucifer. And the Bible has a lot to say to him. We're going to jump into Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning at verse 14. It says, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. This tells us a little bit about um, Lucifer, that he was ordained and anointed. So he... He had a, a calling on him that was even higher than some of the other angels. And he had access to the holy mountain of God. Now, we really don't know what that is, but it had, he had access. He had authority. Verse 15, you were blameless in all you did from the day, from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. So we find out a few things. First of all, Satan was created, or Lucifer and the angels were created, right? And then they were blameless on that day. So they were created good. But then evil was found in Lucifer. And what's interesting is when we ask, where did evil come from? And people ask that, right? Non-believers? Well, if God's so good, why does he create evil, right? How come does he allow evil to exist in the world? Why does he permit it? Why doesn't he wipe it out? Right? Those are the questions. Here's what I want you to remember. Evil is not a thing, and this isn't in your notes, but it's a consequence. It's a consequence of choosing to reject God. It's a break in the relationship. It's choosing our own path and not God's path. The origin of evil came from Satan's own choice. That was the very origin of evil. And God gives everyone a choice. He gave Satan a choice, Satan chose evil. Here's another passage. It's Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. It describes how this happened. It says, how you, this is Lucifer at that time, are fallen from heaven. And it calls Lucifer the shining star or the sun of the morning, which ascribes to the angelic being he was before he fell. And stars, when you hear stars in this context, I like to geek out on this, but stars are referred to as angels in the Old Testament. So he was a shining star. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. And you think about that. It sounds like you know Satan kind of had it all, right? Lucifer in heaven, he had access to the mountain of God. He, had, he was anointed, he was ordained. Why did he choose? Why did he choose evil? Why did he... he had, I don't think he knew he was going to get thrown down, but why did he make that choice? When you get into verse 13, you'll see why. It says, For you said to yourself, 
I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and listen to this, and be like the most high. A lot of I wills, right? A lot of choices that he made. His choice of evil begin with just those two simple words, I will. I will ascend. I will preside. I will climb, and I will be like the most high. I will be God. God gives everyone a choice, right? Lucifer made four of them, and each one got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I think of choices, and, and we were watching a movie last night on, on Netflix, but it, it was a guy that talked about where he was in his life, and he was writing this letter kind of to himself. He says, you know, I am a sum of the choices I've made to this point in my life. Where I am is because of the choices I've made, good and bad. You know, it reminds me of a couple that I knew. Um, their, name were Phil, their names were Phil and Judy. They got married. Uh, they were high school sweethearts. They dated all through high school. No other boyfriends, girlfriends. Got married out of high school. Uh, Phil went to college, and uh, Judy worked to support him. You know, kind of the American dream, right? They had two kids. Phil got out of college, graduated with an engineering degree, and usually when you graduate with that, you have to go to work for somebody for a while, learn the trade, and he finally earned his professional engineering certificate, his PE. Once he got that, he decided, I'm going to open my own business, right? This is just the American dream. And part of that, too, was, as they started their business, was they built a house, they bought some land, and he built a house, and he literally, he spent nights and weekends building that house. And the business grew and prospered, and the kids grew, and at about 15 years, when everything, the house was built, and the business was going well, um... Phil went to Judy and said, I'm not happy. How many of you have heard that? Or you have friends or relatives. Like, they've got everything, right? And then you hear, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy. And Phil told Judy, he says, you know, he started the I wills. You know, I will leave this town, he said. I will find myself. You ever hear that? I will find myself. I will discover what the great world out there has to offer. I will do it my way for a change. I want to do it for myself. I deserve to be happy. And that led to a divorce. It led to the sale of the house, the closing of the business. And it led to that family, those two kids, and that Judy picking up the pieces. And uh, that family is my family. And uh, I can tell you that the wreckage that those choices, you know, caused are, as you can see, they're still to this day. The choices we make, the I wills, have so much influence. And when God gives everyone a choice, he honors that. But the I wills can lead us down the wrong path. And maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've had friends or family that have said that same thing. I will make myself happy. I will find myself. How many of you heard, I will make my job the number one priority, right? I will ascend to that top office, right? I will be the president of this company. They're good, but when they get in front of the great gang, 
they're not good. And in my family, my dad hit all of that, but he didn't have God. There was no foundation in God. And because of that, it all fell apart. Lucifer said, I will be like God. And it was a direct challenge to God's sovereign authority and power. And at that moment, that morning star, that shining star, he was cast out of heaven. He rebelled, he was thrown down to earth. Revelation 12 tells us a little bit more about that. It said, then there was a war in heaven. Michael, one of the archangels, and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon being Lucifer, and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, remember that, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Another part of Revelation says that when Satan was thrown down, he took a third of, his, a third of the angelic host with him. He took them to hell, took them to, to the earth. And the Bible talks about descriptions of Satan. And we put them up here. They're not in your notes, but it's interesting to see how the Bible describes Satan, the tempter. You know that we mentioned that first verse in James 1.13, that God is tempting me? No, it's not God. If you're being tempted, it's because Satan is tempting you. We have the wicked one in Matthew, the accuser of the brethren, Revelation, the ruler of this world in John, the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air. And the last one, an angel of light, which, you know, that's the way that Lucifer was described initially. And in his realm here, he now describes his capacity and inclination to deceive. He is a deceiver. And I want you to see what happens next. Because Lucifer, when he chose evil, the origin of evil, when Lucifer chose evil and came down to the earth, he started his deception with Adam and Eve. You know, point two on your outline. Adam and Eve had a choice, right? Remember, God gives everyone a choice. So it started with the angels and Satan. He made the wrong choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. And, you know, the story was like this. God created Adam and Eve, and they were good, and they were immoral. And he put them in this garden, and they had all the food they needed, right? Like a smorgasbord of everything they needed. But there was one thing that God told them. There was one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were not to to eat. They could eat anything else. They had one choice, not to eat of that tree, right? And then the serpent, or Satan, makes his entrance. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, listen to this, did God really say, can you just hear him, did God really say he must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Notice the little deception, any of them? You can hear Eve going, silly serpent. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. What's interesting, it's a whole other message, that Eve actually doubled the rules, right? She doubled the commandments. 
She said you couldn't eat it or touch it. But we're gonna, that'll be another, another lesson. But you remember what the serpent said? The book of Revelation called him a deceiver. And you watch Satan's deception here. Verse 4, it says, You won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, the amazing irony of this whole thing is, is that Satan tempted them to be like God. But what did we find out last week? Adam and Eve were already created in the image of God, right? Remember Imago Dei? They were already created in that, and yet Satan tempted them with that. And if you look at the deceptions here, there's two of them. One, deception one, God doesn't tell the truth. God doesn't tell the truth. Satan says, did God really say? Will he say that? Or in deception number two, you will be like God, right? And that's the very same choice that Lucifer wanted to be. He wanted to be like God. You know, I, I start thinking about piling on to Adam and Eve, and then I think, you know, we all fall for these same deceptions. And I was thinking about myself a little bit, about God doesn't tell the truth or that he's holding out on me. And Julie and I, for a time, lived in Salt Lake City. And uh, I worked for a guy. And the minute I started working for him, he found out that I was a, was a Christian, but uh, he started sharing with me about his religion and how his religion had truth and had extra knowledge, that they had a living prophet, that they had other sacred books than the Bible. And he basically said, you know what? You don't have all of the truth. You know, there's more truth out there. And I can remember thinking, I thought this was the truth. <laughs> this was all the truth, right? And I almost was deceived into believing that there was more truth out there. And thank God I, I, I stopped at that deception. Because all the truth is, is here. The other one is I can be like God. I can be like God. You know, we like to play God, don't we? We don't like to be told what to do and, and, and where to go. And, you know, you think about um, just the current culture. And I think of you women and ladies that feel this pressure sometimes to, and maybe you know some, that, you know, if I don't sleep with a man, he's not going to date me. He's not going to be, he's not going to even, you know, want to get to know me better. I've got to sleep with him first. And then you think of these young men that have to sleep with as many women as possible, right, to be a real man. So they, they you know, they start counting. What a deception. Or you even think about here in the church sometimes, we get deceived too because we, we, we believe that, you know what, I can't give to a building campaign or I can't tie to the church, you know, because I don't have enough money at the end of my month. Right? And it's a true story. You're looking at the money and you're going, I can't do it. But here's the thing. God honors. He does what he says he'll do. If you honor God with your, your body, ladies, your sexuality, and guys too, he will bless you. He will bless you. Because you don't have the benefit of those of us that are older that look back and maybe made some of those mistakes. Because I can tell you it affects your, the rest of your life, your marriage. And maybe you don't, have the, you don't have the perspective that some of us with a little more gray hair have that we know that when we finally figure out that it's God's money and that we give him first fruits, he will bless you beyond measure. He will bless you. Amen. Thank you. But, you know, Adam, so, so we get deceived with the same deceptions that Adam and Eve did. But God gives everyone a choice. He gives everyone a choice. And unfortunately, 
Adam and Eve made the wrong choice, didn't they? They chose evil, and we're living with those consequences today. And here's what happened to them at that point. Genesis 3.23 says, So the Lord God, what? Banished them from the Garden of Eden. Just like Satan was banished from heaven, Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden. Just like Satan, Adam and Eve had a choice, and they chose evil, and they were both banished. And next week, Pastor Russ is going to unpack more about what happened at that point when they were banished from the garden. And that's going to be in our next message called The Origin of Sin. Point three on your outline, we bring this in. God made a choice. And thank God that God made a choice, right? He made a choice. First Peter 1.20 says, God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom, as your ransom, long before the world began. You think about what's a, what is a ransom. A ransom is a payment that's demanded for the release of a prisoner. You know, the minute we chose evil, the minute we were banned from the garden, we chose evil, we followed Satan's advice, what happened? We became mortal, right? We chose death. We became imprisoned to the sin, the death, evil that's in this world. But thanks be to God, because God chose a Savior in Jesus Christ. And he would ransom us out of bondage. And he was created even before the world began. And that brings me to my last point, one that I've been wrestling with. But point four, God gives us a choice, you and me. Why do you think we're here? I mean, you always wrestle with that, right? Why, a lot of people say, why am I here? Why are we here? That's because God gives us a choice. And the question that I, as you go through this, if, if God knew, and he did know because he foreknows, he knows everything, so I should say, since God knew that we would choose evil, then why did he create us with this freedom to choose? Why not just create us as everything we are now, but just that we always have our hands up in the air, right? Praising him, worshiping him. Wouldn't that have been easier? I think, you know, I think it would have been easier. He, but he didn't want robots. He wanted his children to choose him. It says, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose to save us and not to pour out his anger on us. He could have wiped us out and just said, Ah, oh, heck with the whole human race, the whole mankind thing. But he chose to save us. And why did he do that? The answer is simple, but it's profound. And this is on your notes. It says, without choice, an authentic relationship with God would be impossible. Without choice. You know, and I don't know, but you, this is pretty easy for you, those of you that are married right now. You want your spouse to choose you, right? And you want to choose your spouse. I mean, anybody ever have an arranged marriage here? I hope not. <laughs> they don't work out so well. There's some parts of the world they still do them, but you never hear much good about them. But you want to choose your spouse, and you want your spouse to choose you. How many of you have kids? I didn't see how many hands raised up. Awesome. A lot of you. How many of you want your kids to choose you? You want your kids to love you, to come to you, to run to you? Not tell them, get over here, love me right now. You know? <laughs> get down here. 
Sometimes you feel like that. <laughs> but you want your kids to choose you. And as they get older, that even becomes a bigger deal because they, they will find their own way. But then when they come back and they call and they say, hey, Dad, or hey, Mom, you know, can you talk? And they're in their 30s, you know, that, that, for an imperfect father, an imperfect mother, that just melts your heart. And that's what God the Father wants, guys. He wants us to choose him. Not create us to choose him, but to choose him. God gives everyone a choice. And God wants us to enter into an authentic relationship with him. Last scripture I have. Deuteronomy 30.19 says, Today, today, I have given you the choice. And oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Think about that. That you and your descendants might live. Choose life. And God gives everyone a choice. And the choice we have today, today, right now in this room, is what will we choose? We choose life, an authentic relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, or will we choose death and separation? And the Bible calls that hell, and I'll just call it hell, okay? Not a popular word, not one you hear a lot, but it is. It's separation from God. It's breaking that relationship. That's the choice we have today. So go ahead and put your things aside for a minute, if you would, please. Thank you for your attention. We're going to move into this next song before we pray. Uh, this next song, though, I know Scott picked it out in, the, in the, the band, and thank you, Scott. It's called Come As You Are, written by David Crowder. And it calls us into what we've just been talking about today, an authentic relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I love the opening line of it. It says, come out of sadness from wherever you've been, Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So I want you all to stand right now. We're going to sing that song and then I'll come up and we'll pray.